All right, so um, tonight we're going to be talking about the quote-unquote maybe God mentality, okay? That's kind of a weird uh, title, um, but this message, we're going to be talking about destroying the idea of Christianity being boring, okay? How many guys can contest to like, in your walk with God, at some points, it's been boring? I'll raise my hand. Man, y'all, really? Y'all need to come on. <laughs> Be honest with me. It's it, like there have been ups. There's been downs. It's just like any relationship. Sometimes it's awesome. Sometimes it's just like, what's going on, God? So also we're going to be talking about practically living a life with the expectation that God can do the impossible through you. That's where it gets exciting, y'all. All right, so the main scripture focus is I'm going to focus on 1 Samuel 14, 4 through 6. It says, to reach the Philistine outpost, Jonathan had to go down between the two rocky cliffs that were called Bozes and Sina. The cliff on the north was in front of Michmash. That's a weird name. And the one of the south was in front of Geba. Let's go across to the outpost of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armor bearer. Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle, whether he has many warriors or only a few. So I like that translation, but I like the next translation, which is a little bit better. It's the message it says, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come now, let's go across these uncircumcised pagans. Maybe God will work for us. There's no rule that says God can deliver us by using a big army. No one can stop God from saving when he sets his mind to it. So we're going to be talking about those two words, maybe God. So those two words actually have a lot of power in them. And there's so much faith that's inside of those words. There's so much uncertainty, mystery, um, expectancy in those two words. So uh, how many of you have gotten stuck in, your, in like a little rut um, in your faith where it gets boring? Kind of like we already talked about that. Some of you guys raised your hands. Um, if you've ever been in the faith a while, I believe many Christians can get into this rut and don't know how to get out of it. So I have a beautiful, uh, almost nine-year-old daughter. Uh, her birthday is going to be on Sunday. Everybody give it up for Avalyn. You can sing happy birthday later on Sunday. But me and my daughter Avalyn have something in common. We love treasure hunt movies and adventure movies. And Avalyn, what's your favorite movie of all time? Hopefully you say it. National Treasure, all right? So, and mine is The Goonies. I'm kind of old school. Uh, yeah, I got some fans. Okay, all right. So, me and Avalyn and Lindy, she watches, you know, just some girly romance stuff. But me and Avalyn, we're all about the adventure. And so, what's the, the most common quoted uh, quote from National Treasure? treasure. When Nicolas Cage says, we're going to take what? Y'all seen it? The what? The Declaration of Independence. That, I mean, that's monumental. When he says that, the like, audience is like, you're going to do what? That's impossible. Okay. And so 
whenever you watch a, a treasure hunt or an action movie, there's like adventure, there's suspense, there's uh, unknown, there's a risk that's going to be taken, there's stories to be told along the way. Um, and at the end, there's a payoff. The treasure hunt is, you know, the treasure's found. They walk off and they live their life of luxury and everything's good. Um, but see, some of us, we've started the adventure in our faith with excitement because of the newness of it all. We're in that honeymoon stage. Um, but after a while, the newness kind of wears off. It's almost like when you get married, you got to stoke the fire in your marriage to make it last. I mean, I, um, you know, we have marriages that I've seen that are that have last like 70 plus years, um, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. But the, the key to that is making that spark alive and doing things that you don't normally do um, and finding adventures with each other. So basically, the adventure of your walk with, uh, with God has grown cold. Now, this is what I was thinking. Uh, my next statement says, if your walk with Christ was to be put in a movie, would people be amazed or bored? Think about that. If your walk with Christ was put up in a movie and Hollywood was like, yeah, we're going to take your story and it's going to be amazing. To, and, and you're going to represent Jesus to all these people. Like, <laughs> would, it, would, would it amaze people or would it bore people? Um, so how do you get that spark and adventure back in your relationship with Jesus? Um, so over time, you have to be creative and fan that flame. So number one is you got to start taking risks, okay? I'm an adrenaline junkie. How many of you guys like uh, roller coasters or anything like that? I like roller coasters. You get me on any roller coaster except the fair because there's so many accidents that happen at the fair and so many deaths. I'm not getting on any roller coaster or anything at the fair. I'm sorry. I'll eat the food. I'll do anything. I ain't getting on no rides. But there's something, a level of excitement of facing death and then escaping it, right? So in 1 Samuel 14, Jonathan and his armor bearer left his dad's camp, which is Saul, 600 soldiers to go into the Philistine camp, all right? So Saul and his soldiers of 600, they were just chilling. They weren't doing anything for I don't know how long, probably days, maybe weeks. And so these two guys, Jonathan and his armor bearer, which is probably like his best friend, took a major risk. They were about to take an entire Philistine army on, just two people, okay? But, uh, and, and they were about to face hundreds and thousands of well-trained soldiers. So I, I would say the perspective, Jonathan was probably tired of sitting around with his dad and Saul and his army doing absolutely nothing, taking no risks. And so he's like, well, I'm going to do this. Ain't nobody else doing it. So some of us, we've been comfortable doing nothing for years. And we've been comfortable, just like Saul, just like the army. They know that they're supposed to go out and fight. They know that they're supposed to be doing something for God, but they're just like, man, I got to get a little bit more righteous. I got to get a little bit more time in church to sit on my butt and do nothing. Uh, and you know what? It, it kind of feels good. You know, it kind of feels good to just kind of see. And, and then it becomes comfortable. So, to be honest, Jonathan did not specifically hear from God. And he did not receive confirmation that the battle against the Philistines was going to be successful. He was basically saying, hey, let's go. I just heard God tell me everything was going to be okay. No, he did not. He said, hey, you know what? Let's take a risk. Maybe God will show up. So Jonathan was confident that if God did show up, 
he'd take care of business. In verse 6, he says, he can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. And we see this in Judges 7 with Gideon and the Israelites taking on the Midianites. Gideon started with 32,000 troops. If you think about that, how many people does the PNC arena fit? I don't know, like 10,000? I don't know. So basically triple the PNC arena, okay? And say there's 32,000 people in there. And 31,700 people exit, and there's only 300 left. God was like, that's the people that are going to be fighting for me. So Judges 7, 2, it says, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. 31,700 men, that's too many. He says, I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. You see what God's doing here? He's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to take the credit off of you and put it onto me. My own strength has saved me. That's, see, a lot of us, we've, we've depended on ourselves a little bit too much in life and we've never taken risk in saying, God, if you don't show up, I'm, I'm messed up. We've never given God a chance to do that. Okay. So some of us, we've, we've controlled everything our whole lives to the point where like, there's no room. We've pushed out opportunities for God to be able to. Okay. Gideon could have been disobedient. He could have carried 31,700 troops into battle and probably easily won. But God was like, no, I don't want you to get the credit because I want to start working in you. And I want my name to be glorified and not yours. Amen. Y'all wake. All right. Number two is embrace the maybe God mentality. The maybe God mentality will be one of the things that take your ordinary Christianity to the extraordinary level. Imagine your life with this type of outlook. You will be able to do the things you've always imagined. And, you know, invite that neighbor that you're kind of afraid to even speak about Jesus about at work or, or, or uh, you know, take a leap of faith on that new business idea um, or share Jesus with that person that you're kind of afraid that how they're, they're going to react. Um, or if you're single, taking that chance on that one person that you've been afraid to ask out and Jesus has been like, ask that person out. Okay. Y'all can laugh. Y'all can laugh. It's, okay. <laughs> Y'all are stiff tonight. All right. Stepping up and leading that small group that you've had on your heart for a long time. Being involved. Guess what, guys? We have a street evangelism uh, small group now. That takes some guts. I've been out twice. It is, it is intimidating. Now, that's stepping out. That is very, like, that's stepping out. So if you want to get involved in that, uh, I think Pastor Josh is leading that up. And it has been adventuresome, hasn't it, brother? You've been out there? <laughs> He's like, yeah. <laughs> um, there's some stories to tell from that, you know? Um, or starting a ministry that you felt impressed for God to, you know, you've been felt feeling impressed for God to start a minute, you know, for you to start a ministry that God's been put on your heart. See, the sky is the limit. See, Bible heroes with the maybe God mentality were Daniel, Noah, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, King David, all the disciples, Paul. Um, so before Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the furnace, Daniel 3, 16 through 18 says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, 
that God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, there's that maybe God. Man, he may show up, he may not, but we want to make it clear to you, your majesty. See, there's still some respect that these dudes had. That we will never serve your gods or worship the golden statue you have set up. See, these were real people with real families. And they didn't know exactly how everything was going to turn out. But they were like, you know what? We're going to be following God. Maybe God will show up. Maybe, but we're just going to follow God. We ain't gonna do, we're not going to bow to any images. We're not going to do anything. We're just only going to follow after God and let him show up. So as long as we feel the peace of God about a situation, then usually we can step out and, uh, you know, take that leap of faith. So back in 2018, before the market went absolutely nuts, um, me and Lindy, we had a dream that uh, we, we love Wendell. I, I was born and raised in Wendell, Wendell, when it was Wendell, and now it's Wendell. All these, I'll say, okay, northerners have come into our neighborhood and said, oh, it's Wendell. No, it's Wendell. You got to sound like a trucker when you do Wendell. So when Wendell was Wendell, we had a dream that we wanted to, to uh, we, we really liked this new neighborhood. It was Wendell Falls, and it was really nice and stuff. And we're like, we would go to like the little farmhouse. Lindy would go to the farmhouse, get, you know, get a little coffee drink and everything and stuff like that. And she said, oh, man, wouldn't this be nice to just live in here? And I'm like, yeah. I just saw money. I was like, nope, uh-uh, nope. <laughs> I'm the saver, Lindy's the dreamer, and it would just, yeah. So I was like, that's nice, that's nice. And so we went, you know, went to our home, stuff like that. And so one one day, like, God put it on my heart. He's saying, like, oh, we went past, and he, he literally spoke to me. He's like, this is your home. I said, what? I was like, there ain't no way. There ain't no, I'm a pastor, God, what in the world? Okay, you know, like, and uh, he's like, no, like, I'm going to make a way. I was like, God, you're going to have to work a miracle. You're going to have to work a miracle. And so we got ready. We prepared. We prepared a house. We sold it. Thank God, man, he's, we sold way over what we're supposed to sell. And, and I'm telling you that when you put your faith, and I, I, I don't know about y'all, I, t- I used to tend to worry about finances a lot because I paid the bills. I was doing the schematics. I was doing Excel spreadsheets and all this stuff. Uh, and I was like, I don't know how this is going to add up, but this is supposed, God's told us that this is supposed to be, and all of a sudden this peace came upon me. And it's almost like I had that maybe God mentality, like, okay, you know what? What if I put this down payment? I know it's a lot, but I'm going to do it. And I told Lindy, I said, I feel so much peace. I don't, this is normally, I don't feel peace like this. And I'm just like, this is crazy. So I put down, down payment. God, and let me just let you know how God just, just at the last minute came in and just supplied that in a supernatural way. The story's really cool. You know, we got the house and 
we're living so comfortably and we're ministering to our neighbors. So it was not just, oh, you get to hang out at some really cool place. No, I've been able to like speak life into my neighbors. It's been a mission field. And so sometimes whenever God tells you to do certain things and he says, hey, I'll show up, it's not for you. It's not to glorify you. It's to glorify him. Because our lives as Christians, it's all about reflecting him. Amen. And so I'm telling you, man, if, if God is telling you to step out and take that risk, take it. Maybe God will show up. And guess what? You get to brag on God. You have a story to tell. Amen. All right. So my next quote is God has never needed the best weapons to do his work. All he needs is a willing and obedient heart. Amen. So Mitch Horton, Pastor Mitch Horton, he has a really great uh, quote, I want to, you can't build faith and comfort. Your faith is a muscle. You have to exercise it. I've heard him say that so many times. If you ever, if you never, are never stretched outside your comfort zone, you'll never grow. Um, pastor's word for 2023, I said it Sunday, is stretch. He's, he's wanting to stretch us. And so how have you been stretched in 2023? Now, is this something you just need to ask yourself? Like, have you allowed God to stretch you? And if not, like, has it been a comfortable year? Hey, 24, 2024 is coming up in two months, y'all. All right? Let's see how God can stretch us. Because I know we, we make those New Year's resolutions in 2024, start planning for 2024 and saying, God, in this, area, in this specific area right here, I want to grow. I know it's going to be a little bit painful. I know it's going to be a little bit, in a sense, worrisome. It's not going to be comfortable. But I want to allow you to stretch me. And that may be stretching you in your quiet time, in your prayer time. Like there's certain things that I know in my life that God needs to stretch me. Amen. So I'm putting myself on the chopping block. Okay. There's lots of areas and I need, <clears throat> I need to work out. <laughs> Woo! So there's certain things I need to shape up like my physical body. I need to shape up my spirit. <laughs> yeah. Let me just, yeah. I can't believe you said that. Well, I do. So I'm just saying like, there's certain areas in my personal life that I need to, you know, sure up. And I'm pretty sure there's areas that we need to be stretched. But in those areas, we will grow, and our connection with God will grow, and, and we'll have stories. I like those stories because those are testimonies that God can get the glory, all right? So my next point is find your armor bearer. Now, how many of you have been in the church for a, quite a while, it's, it, especially like maybe the early 2000s? The... <laughs> I, I told Lindy about like the armor bear and it just has a bad connotation to it. <laughs> if, you, if you ever went to another church that has an armor bear, it's just like this, this, this person that is just like stuck to a pastor. This, whatever you need, sir, whatever you need. Uh, and it's just like, it's, it, it, it's just like, what? It's, this is not what I'm talking about. I just want to get that clear. Cause Lindy heard about armor. Bear. She goes, what? No, I, basically armor bear is a best friend. This is going to be your ride or die person, okay, in this context. So we're going to talk about 1 Samuel 14, 7. It says, do all that you have in mind. This is the armor bearer saying to Samuel. Uh, the armor bearer said, go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. All right? So do you have someone that's willing to go and fight 
with you, that's willing to encourage you, that's willing to be there for you in those good times, in those bad times, in those times where y'all are not so close friends, y'all, y'all are, you know, you know, disagreeing, but y'all are friends and y'all are together at the end. Do you have that person that's saying, okay, wherever you're going to go, if God's leading me to go with you, I'm, I'm going with you. You need that person. You need that that person in your life to kind of spur you on, also fight with you. Um, will they take those risks with you no matter what? Do they make you a better person when you're around them? All right? Are they dependable? Ah, that's a big one. Are they going to show up when nobody else shows up? Can you count on them to be there? Uh, also, armor bearers, like, are you an armor bearer to anyone else? Like, do you encourage others to be everything God has called them to be? Are you a dependable friend? Can they count on you to be there when nobody else is there? So you got to kind of examine yourself like, yeah, I need, I've got that person or I'm in need of that person. Or I can be that, I can be a better ride or die friend. My next one is don't make decisions based on your weakness. I talked about this on Sunday night because uh, I was feeling like poop on Sunday night, y'all. I was feeling horrible. <laughs> that was my exact words. Uh, I was feeling really, really bad. Had a fever, everything. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to preach. I'm going to speak to these youth. And guess what? I prayed beforehand. Got my leaders to pray for me. God showed up. All the symptoms left. And I preached anyway. And this verse was golden on Sunday. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, it says, each time he said, my grace is all you need. Paul said, that's so simple. My grace is all you need. My grace has the power to do anything in your life that you need to do for him. My power works best in our weakness. When we get out of the way, he works so much better. So now I'm so glad to boast in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. And in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. Amen. So whenever we get out of the way and say, you know what, God, I had this. This is my weakness. I guess I can't do this and this and this and this. And he's like, what if I called you to do it? You know, Moses was like, yeah, I can't speak. I have a speech impediment. God's like, well, I called you to do it. I don't want to. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And then he was like, okay, fine. You're still going to leave my people, but I'm going I'm to work through Aaron. But I wanted to work through you, but I called you to do it. And so imagine the, the even more better testimony that Moses would have had if he would have said, okay, God, I'll speak. Okay, so some of us, we limit ourselves because we have because of our weaknesses and we're afraid because we're insecure. What how we're going to look to other people. What if you step out and God shows off through you? Imagine the stories that God can tell. Okay, so if you're making decisions solely based on your weaknesses, you will never live an extraordinary life and you'll never be everything you can be for Jesus. We have to realize that God's strength is shown best in our weakness. That's what makes a miracle a miracle. If we can do it, it's not a miracle. It's plain and simple. So we need to get out of the way. We need to get out of our own head too and allow God to, like, we got to take, start taking risks, y'all. 
Like, when was the last time you took a risk and saying, God, I'm going to step out on this because I feel like you have called me to do this. I'm not quite sure. I'm kind of like Jonathan. Maybe God will show up. Maybe he won't. But you know what? I can learn from my mistake. But God, I think you're leading me into this, this situation. And I can't do anything about it. But if you don't show up, it's going to be screwed up. But we've never, we, we don't allow God to do it because we're so controlled. We're in such a controlled environment. So my challenge to you is to take challenges, take, take those risks. Don't worry about your weaknesses because guess what? His power works best in our weaknesses. Amen? All right. So Jonathan did not make his plans based on the strength of the enemy. He made his plans by looking at the greatness of God and his perspective of seeing God's unlimited strength. Amen? So he didn't look at the obstacle saying, ah, I guess we can't. I mean, I see these thousands of Philistines. I don't, I guess we can't. Oh, and she's like, hey, what if we show up and God just smites them all? Like, that'd be so cool. <laughs> that'd be so cool. We're going to go out like that. So let's go to jo- uh, Numbers 13, 30 through 33, talking about Joshua and Caleb. This is one of my favorite Stories in the Bible. It says, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who explored the land disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we travel through and explore will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We saw even giants there. The descendants of Anak, next to them we fell like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. In, in Numbers 14, 6 through 9, it says, Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua's son of Nun and Caleb's son of ugh, Jephuna tore their clothes okay when they tear their clothes that means they're mad or they're sad they're extremely distraught that's like they're very very sad so they said to all the people of israel the land we travel through and explored is wonderful so you see the different perspective here okay this is a wonderful land and if the lord is pleased with us he will bring us safely into the land. You see that? Maybe God will show up. It says, wonderful land, and give it to us. It is rich. It's a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Do you see the contrast of these perspectives? Like, the negative people there are like, oh, we're like grasshoppers. And see, Joshua and Caleb were like, hey, man, they're like, they're like, they're like pray, helpless prey before us. Y'all see the different perspectives? Okay. So how we, this is my next statement. I came up this afternoon. I was like, how we perceive God will determine how he works in our lives. Man, are we going to be these cowardly people that are just afraid to do what God has t- called you to do? Or we're going to be like, dude, they are helpless prey. <laughs> you know, or this situation is helpless prey before my God. Only God can, but I'm telling you, if God shows up, man, they better watch out. 
Okay, so I'm going to conclude. So summarization of 1 Samuel 14, 13 through 16. I want to tell the end of the story because, you know, I told a story about Jonathan. They're about to go out to face Philistines. You're like, what happened? All right, so if you haven't read, I'm going to fill you in. So Jonathan and his armor killed 20 men just on their own. All right, panic broke out among the Philistines. Then the earthquake struck and then put them in a panic into overdrive. The Philistines somehow started dying in all directions. Saul and his men, little wimps, started rushing out the battle and found the Philistines fighting and killing each other. Okay, God saved the Israelites that day and it all started with two brave people saying, you know what? Maybe God will show up. Maybe God will come and hang out with us and just totally destroy these Philistines. I don't know how he's going to do it. But, I mean, imagine, first of all, Jonathan took on 20, 20 people by himself. And the cool, I mean, if you get to read the whole story, the whole story is just chock full of just amazing stuff. The Old Testament is one of my, I just, I love the Old Testament. It's such a, if, Bible's not boring, y'all. I'm telling you, it is fun. It is exciting. First and second Samuel is my jam. Love it. All right, so action points I want to leave you guys with because I like to be practical about these things. Uh, keys to having a maybe God spirit. Number one, make room for God to do extraordinary things in your life. Number two, take the initiative to leap out in faith with, with God in mind in every situation. Okay? Stop viewing things as though they are bigger than God. All right, whether it be cancer, whether it be a diagnosis. Let me just say, the doctor does not have the final word. That is not your identity. Your identity is found in God. He gets the last say. First, uh, first Peter 2.24, by, by Jesus' stripes, you are completely healed. That is your identity. If you have to quote it every single day, if you have to quote it a hundred times a day, your identity is found in God's healing, not the doctor's diagnosis. Okay. Amen. Um, number four, just be honest with yourself and examine how do I really truly perceive God? Do I, do I have a, a Joshua Caleb? Like, man, I'm just ready to do anything for God. Whatever he says, let's go. All right. Maybe you're, you're right off, you know, of just getting saved and you're in that honeymoon stage and you're like, okay, God, well, what's next? That's awesome. Keep that, keep that alive. Write these stories down. Honestly, write these stories down because you're going to forget about them. That's why David said, that's why David's Psalms in the Bible is like over, I was at 150 some chapters. It's because he knew that he would forget about the good things. We have a negative uh, biased mindset. We will remember the bad things in life majority of the time if we don't force ourselves to remember the good things. That's scientifically proven. You can look that up. So we have to make a conscious effort to put the good things that God has done, those stories that God has done in our lives to focus on them whenever we're facing battles and say, look back on the stories. That, that's, that's something also we can pass on to our ne the next generation. It's a whole nother sermon that I want to preach. I've already preached, but it's such a, yeah. So number five, look for friends who will live that maybe God mentality with you. Okay. You need that 
armor bearer. You need that ride or die friend. You need that person that's going to sharpen you whenever you're feeling down. Or you're going to need to sharpen that other friend when they're feeling down. Say, hey, you know what? Don't, I know you're feeling bad, but hey, don't you remember last week when God just did that miracle in that, in that girl's life? And da, 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 da. Don't, hey, come on, let's go. Let's go save some people, okay? Did y'all get something from it tonight? Isn't God good? But y'all can stand up. Father God, we just love you so much. We thank you for your miracles. We thank you, Lord, for the stories that that these precious people of Victory Church already have. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. I thank you, Lord, for, for purpose that you are birthing inside of every person that's hearing my voice. God, I pray that your spirit, the spirit of boldness will come upon us, Lord, in Jesus. And Lord, that we would do the things that you have called us to do. Lord, I break the spirit of fear and anxiety. It may try to keep us from doing everything that you have called us to do. Lord, help us to have a maybe God mindset in every situation that we face this next week. God, we praise you, God, for being for us, not against us. In Jesus' name.